So one day I was, I had a mouthful of nails and something felt really chewy in the nails. And I thought it was a wad of glue. Then I decided to look at it and it was a frog. Every leader faces challenges on a daily basis. And the way we navigate those challenges can make a deep and lasting impact for time and eternity. We're helping leaders discover practical tools based on biblical principles and helping you create like-minded communities who will walk with you as you lead your organization to health. Welcome to the Healthy Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Peter Hartzell. I'm pleased to be with you today. Today we're talking about what we're calling ant theology. And I'm sure you remember if you've listened to some of our previous episodes, referencing the ant theology. Uh, Phil shared the story of an ant pushing a piece of dirt up a hill, falling back down to the bottom, and then doing it all over again the next day. So what is ant theology, Phil? It's how it feels on most days to start and grow a business or even (laughs) (laughs) build a marriage or build your life the right way. (laughs) Proverbs 6 says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. (laughs) Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. And so so let's just take that apart a little bit. Uh, there, There are so many people who are I picture them sitting on the couch, painting their toenails or eating carbs, watching soap operas uh, because they see so many obstacles. Or or maybe they're at work and they're paralyzed to move ahead because the, 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 the mountain of moving from here to there, the mountain of uh, the thing that you really want in life and, and looking at where you are now, it's just so huge. And so God told us to study the ant. And as you study the ant, you're going to understand how to do this. So this for me, as I ran my business, it was how I felt on most days. I just, and how I feel even today is, is it really feels like you figure out which piece of dirt you need to move today. You have a plan, you have a thing you're trying to build. You figure out which piece of dirt you need to move today. You carry that big piece of dirt up the hill. You might fall back all the way to the bottom, and God says the day's up. You, you don't want to violate your own, your health and your mentality and your family by overworking. But sometimes you got to work hard, long hours sometimes. But you, so you fall back down tomorrow. You get up. You might move it halfway up. You might spend a week building it, and some and a dog comes along and. And, and, and kicks it, digs it out, or somebody who doesn't like you comes and stomps it. But you just have to keep going like that ant. And so uh, the way it feels, it's you just figure, you, first of all, you have a plan you're working to, and, and you have a, a confidence in you that the thing you're doing is, is building something for God, like you're building a marriage, you're building your health, you're building your character, you're building a business that you believe will make a difference in the world that can create wealth and change people's lives. And so you you, you have a vision that's strong enough that keeps you going. And then today you look at your what you're trying to accomplish 
and you figure out what's the most important thing I need to do first today. So uh, Brian Tracy, he, he has an analogy called eat a frog. And he said, if the first thing you do every morning, you get up in the morning and eat a frog. He <laughs> said, that'll be the hardest thing you have to do all day. <laughs> and if and what he's saying there is if if you have a list of things to do, do the hardest thing first, mm. and then the rest of the day will go easy. And then he said, if you have two frogs to eat, eat the ugliest one first. Mm. I so a little funny story, Peter. You can delete it out if you want. But years ago, when I was before I had nail guns, I was working in my basement, and I would keep my nails in buckets, and I would fill my mouth full of nails and I would hammer these nails into my cabinets that I was building. And so one day I was, I had a mouthful of nails and something felt really chewy in the nails. And I thought it was a wad of glue. Then I decided to look at it and it was a frog. Oh I don't gosh. know where that. I'll just let you laugh at that one. I don't. There's no analogy. <laughs> you ate a frog. Literally ate a frog. <laughs> I wow. spit him out. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you want to take some deep lesson from that, that's fine. But that's it great. just is what it is. The <laughs> the second one that that we've seen, many of us have seen, is where the professor puts some rocks in a jar. And then he, he fills the jar with rocks and he asks the students, uh, is there room for anything else? And they say no. And then he pours some small rocks in the jar. And then they, he asks again, is there room for anything else? And they say no. And he pours sand in the jar. And then, and then he says, it looks like there's not room for anything else. And he pours water in the jar. And so... The, he asked the que the class, "What's the question? I mean, what is what is this proving?" And uh, they have all di different answers, but uh, he said that the answer the 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 example I'm trying to teach you is if you have several things to do, start with your biggest rocks. Hmm. Put your biggest rocks in, which is really ant theology. Hmm. Is is what is what is the thing the most important thing you need to do right now, and get it done. Uh, the next thing I wanted to bring up is it, to find a way through. And that's, that's a lot of what the gospel is about. The gospel is the story of Israelites in the wilderness where it didn't look like there was a way through. Uh, people fighting battles where it didn't look like there was a way through. And in my story, when, and, and I still pray this prayer, is when I get, in, get up against something, I pray this prayer. I say, God, you know how to do this. I don't. I am stuck. I'm up against a wall. I, I've hit a, I've hit a big rock pile. Uh, I, I can't see a way out. And I find that every time I cry out to God, He shows me a way through. So that's what that ant does. He finds a way to move that piece of dirt. And the next thing the ant does is he works even when he's in pain. And so, unless you just simply can't work. You need to just keep going. We need to be so dedicated to what we're doing that we work even when we're in pain. And then when, when you have several ants doing this who get on board and they see this vision of what you're doing, and usually because it's a written plan or it's a blueprint, and then they start helping you build too, then, then you're going to build and build and move all that dirt. And one day you're going to have an ant colony. And you may, you're going to start in the spring, and by winter, you're going to have an ant colony where you guys can live and you store up stuff, and you can hang out and do stuff.
So that's how I grew a business from less than nothing. I just moved uh, the the most important piece of dirt every day. E even when we were a multi-million dollar business, hmm. that's how I saw myself with just somebody who was moving dirt. And there were times, yes, when I got glory and I got awards and uh, I got in the news, but that really wasn't there very important. Right. It's just like God would tell me, okay, you got your war, get your applause, now get to roll up your sleeves and go back to work. The The thing that we tend to chase is recognition and we want our peers to respect us and, and validate our hard work. And we feel like that is the end goal. But the reality is that's not the end. The end goal shouldn't be the recognition. The recognition should be the result of, like you said, rolling up your sleeves and moving the biggest piece of dirt, the most important piece of dirt first. Yeah. Proverbs says that a man who's diligent in his business will stand before kings. <laughs> and so there's there's a couple of ways to get into the presence of a king. One is to be related. <clears throat> Another one is to know someone who knows the king. Another one is to do something that's so bad that you make the news. And <laughs> there's another way to get uh, in front of a king, uh, and that's to fake excellence. But the true way to get in front of a king, if you're really going to get there because you deserve to be there, is because you're diligent or you're excellent in your business. And that was, I had that as my signature on my email for several years. And, and sure enough, it got me to Washington, D.C. It got me into Forbes magazine. It got us some really, really great customers, some large uh, multinational and national customers, multi-million dollar projects. And that was because we were diligent in what we did. So from the other side, whenever I would hire vendors, I had a guy come in. We were looking for somebody who could uh, do our hauling for us. And this guy came in and he tried every, I'd taken sales classes and he tried every sales technique he could on me. And he just, he looked a little bit like an idiot. And, and I talked to several other organizations. I talked to FedEx and, and Yellow Freight, I, uh, UPS that, that hauled like partial truckloads. But this one guy who came in who tried all of his t sales techniques on me that didn't work, I hired him, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I saw him not as a salesman, but as a, as a manager who could get things done. So in spite of all of his attempts to impress me, what really did impress me was he got things done. Mm -hmm. So when you're shipping stuff, and we had this problem, we would be shipping something, and it was supposed to go to Illinois, and it didn't get there. So I'd call the shipper, and they'd say, well, you could try the dock in Memphis or the, the dock in Birmingham and see if it's there. And I'd call around and call around and couldn't find it. And I said, I, I don't want to manage your company. You have to manage your company. Right. So I said, I said, when I have a problem, I don't want to call Memphis and Birmingham. I want you to. Right. I want I want you to be able to do that. So we hired his company, and they did a great job for us because he was an ant. He understood ant theology, and he instead of trying to impress me, he he got the job done. Hmm. So with that, I want to shift and go a little bit deeper into what the Apostle Paul wrote in in First Corinthians three, and he says, "Anyone who builds on that foundation." may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. 
On the judgment day, the fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. It will show whether the person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like somebody barely escaping through a wall of flames. So let me unpack that and how that fits into ant theology. So we're building, and we can say, well, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. So I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm not going to give my all. I'm just going to do a halfway job because nobody notices. And, or, or uh, I'm going to do a half hearted job. Nobody's giving me buy in right now. I'm not getting any applause. Nobody understands me. But I must still build. If I know that God wants me to do this, I must build and create, even if it's unseen and unknown. And, and so great artists know this, great composers know this. Many of the great artists and composers weren't known until after they died. And even today, there's many great artists and authors who work in secret before they reveal their work. Maybe a few people know what they're doing, and then they work it and, and bring it to a level of excellence, and then they show it. And that's what we've been doing with the Build Something Beautiful for God, the podcast, the concept the organization, is that we've been doing a lot of underground work, even though we're not doing anything or very little in public right now. But we're doing a lot of work underground, and we're just building everything we're doing. We're building with excellence, attempting, we're continually improving it. And so this may, this may not be launched. It may not take off through us, but maybe someone else will capture the idea and they'll take it from there. Or maybe after we're dead, it'll take off. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you follow that ant theology and you build excellence, kingdom excellence, even if nobody notices, even if it doesn't seem you're getting anywhere. So Paul writes in that same chapter, he says, our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. We're weak. We're ridiculed. We go hungry and thirsty. We don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We're often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our own living. We bless those who curse us. We're patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. We are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. So, I don't think any of us, although some of this may fit into what it's like to start a business and even continue a business, especially going through a crisis, but none of us knows what it's like to this degree. And so if we had a friend like Paul who, who gave this list, he said he's weak, ridiculed, hungry, thirsty, having to pay his own way right now. Uh, he's being cursed, abused, treated like garbage. We'd say, Paul, you're, I think you may be in the wrong job. <laughs> right. And I think you can, you should change. But there was something about Paul that he knew his calling and he, he still did what he did. He'd start churches and the churches would fall apart. He would go to his own brethren and they'd turn against him. He kept writing letters. We would have said, Paul, tear up those letters and go to something else, please. Like, like maybe, uh, you know, just stick with tent building. <laughs> yeah. So that that's ant theology. Uh, Peter, do you have any thoughts to add to that? Yeah, that's yesterday my son was up in his room playing with his Legos. He really likes building Legos. And his sisters walked into the room and they were playing 
some game, some destructive game. <laughs> and one of, one of his sisters decided to stomp on his Lego creation and destroy it. And mm. he was distraught. He came down crying and angry and frustrated and rightfully so. Something he had worked hard to build was just crushed. And this came to mind, this idea of what would an ant do in this situation? An ant would, uh, you don't see a lot of ants throwing a hissy fit when the dog comes and kicks over the anthill. You see them go right back to work. They start build. they immediately come out of there. You see the ants flood out from the, you know, from the colony and they start going back to work rebuilding. And I think that is a lesson that I've taken from this anthology uh, talk is going when thing like with Paul, when things don't go the way you think they should go, Paul wasn't starting these churches because he wanted the validation of being remembered as the guy who started those churches. He was doing it because he knew that's what he was called to do. Yeah. And I think if you follow the story of, of people like Truett Cathy, who right after World War II, he and his brother, they, they had to go to construction sites. There weren't nails, so they went to construction sites and picked up bent nails and straightened them and built their first restaurant. And then he, he and his brother, I think they lived next door to the restaurant, and they took turns doing 12-hour shifts. Hmm. And they built it from less than nothing, and, and, but they built it on godly principles. And, and one day we have what we have today, which is Chick-fil-A, which is worth billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. David Green did the same thing in his basement, making, having his boys, he's paying them something like seven cents to make picture frames from old barnwood that he gathered from, from neighbors. And then just every day he just moved another piece of dirt. What we did when we started our company, I just started in a neighbor's pig pen building porch swings out of, uh, out of lumber that I got from sawmills. And then we got married in half our house. We made wooden trucks with roller skate wheels. Let's bring this thing home. The reason I did it was because I wanted a family uh, that loved God and loved each other. And so I was doing it for my family. And, and, I, and I eventually was doing it with my family. And so the real ultimate purpose of creating a godly business is so that at, uh, it makes your family better. And I'm going to throw this in uh, as a just, I just want to keep repeating and repeating this vision. And that is that when, when you have a workplace where people feel loved and cared for and where, they, where they're doing their best and they're fulfilled and they're, they're getting paid fairly, they go home feeling satisfied. It's like the workplace is the testing ground. It's the community where you learn how to become a better person and you're productive and you go home feeling fulfilled. And when you do, your family gets better, not just because of the money, but because of what's happening in the workplace. And so we just want to create little groups of business leaders who have that vision that the more a workplace is is moving toward God's definition of success, the more families it's going to bless. And that's really what we're trying to do. So right now we're proving the concept. We proved it at Cohen Woodworking. We're forming a group here in Rolla. There's a little family business in Kentucky that's been doing this for several years. Uh, John has been doing it in Mozambique for five or six years. 
there's a, a couple of businesses up in Boston and Providence, Rhode Island that are just starting. I got a request from Indiana. But that's the vision right there. It's not to make businesses better. It's to make businesses better so that people's lives are better, which ultimately brings back home to the family. Man, that is so good. If you're still listening, then your ears are probably uh, perking up a little bit. And this idea must be resonating with you. And if it does, then maybe you'd be considering starting your own group, doing this in your own community, reaching out and finding people uh, in your sphere of influence and, and in your friend group or, or peer group that have a similar heart and desire. And if that's the case, then we'd love to help you grow your campfire groups and, and mentor you uh, through this whole process. That's why we are here. That's why this organization exists is to help uh, encourage you. And like Phil said earlier, you don't have to do things the way we're doing them. We're just here to give you some of the tools and the things that, that we've seen work in the past and that we know does work, basic principles, obeying the word of God, following the word of God, bringing the, the Proverbs into your workplace and following those principles. These are things that just work. The idea of, of going to the ant, you lazy bones. <laughs> I love that. Go to the ant, you lazy bones. <laughs> Look at what they do. And as we do those things, we, we start to live according to God's plan, God's way of doing things. And uh, we find that we have healthy organizations, we have healthy families, uh, we become healthy, and we live the way uh, God called us to live. And that's a good thing. It's about creating little communities, first of all, of leaders right, that are doing this, and then they're, they're dispensing it out to the people who look to them who've entrusted their lives to them as leaders. Yeah, and, and I want to thank you, Phil, for being a vessel or a, kind of a, a guinea pig on this whole thing. I mean, you you came across a lot of these things through trial and error, through experimentation, and just being curious. And I think that uh, has led to some innovative ideas, uh, not not new ideas. I mean, these were all God's ideas. But doing this thing God's way and being curious has caused uh, a different perspective, or it brings a different perspective. And I think that that's why I'm still around. That's why I'm still here. And I see the value in that. So for those of you listening, I hope that you have a renewed drive when you go to work, when you get up in the morning, a different perspective of why am I doing this uh, every day? Why am I going to work? And and if you're a leader that people look up to and, and other people have entrusted their lives to you please 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 consider that that it, that you can do this that you can make your workplace better well thank you for joining us we look forward to seeing you on the next episode where we dig deeper into what it looks like to bring christ into your personal life into the workplace we'll see you on the next episode Thank you for listening to the Healthy Leaders Podcast as we journey together toward healthy biblical leadership. If you're facing a particular challenge in your organization, please visit healthy-leaders.org. We would love to help you lead your organization to health.